0: Entrepreneur on Fire, Episode 215. Welcome to
1: EntrepreneurOnFire.com, where remarkable entrepreneurs share their inspiring story. Let their journey illuminate your path to success. And now, your host, John
0: Dumas. Greetings, Fire Nation. Quick shout out to our sponsors, GoToMeeting and Squarespace. Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that allows you to use drag-and-drop technology to create a beautifully designed website. For a free trial and 10% off, go to squarespace.com and use the offer code FIRE. GoToMeeting with HD Faces is the powerfully simple way to meet and collaborate with your team online. Try it free for 30 days. Visit gotomeeting.com, click the Try It Free button, and use the promo code FIRE. Okay, Fire Nation, let's get started. I am simply thrilled to introduce my guest today, Mitch Joel. Mitch, are you prepared to ignite?
1: I am on fire. (laughs) I love it.
0: Mitch is the president of Twist Image, one of the largest independent digital marketing agencies in North America, although he prefers the title Media Hacker. I've given Fire Nation just a little overview, Mitch, but take a minute. Tell us about you personally. We want to get to know you and then tell us about your business.
1: Well, sure, thanks for having me on. I um, I love to help brands connect with consumers in authentic ways, and I've been sort of tackling that challenge for, for the better part of my life starting in the late 80s. Um, joined Twist Image in 2002, where two of my existing business partners already were with one employee. They started in 2000, so for 13 years, we've been doing this, and now we're four business partners with over 100 employees in two offices. <sighs> And one of the ways we actually built the platform and the business is through this amazing thing called blogs and podcasts and sharing. And I've written two books. One's called Six Pixels of Separation, which has been out since 2009. And I've got a brand new book coming out called control alt Delete that'll hit the shelves on May 21st.
0: Well, that is going to be about perfect timing for the release of this podcast. We'll be linking everything up in the show notes, specifically those two books at entrepreneuronfire.com slash Mitch Joel. But Mitch, Fire Nation knows that we always start every interview off with a success quote. It gets that motivational ball rolling. So take it away.
1: I wish I had discovered this one myself, but I'll give full credit to Tom Peters and the amazing book, Reimagine, which, by the way, if you're an entrepreneur and you haven't read Reimagine, which is an older book, it's still amazing. And he had a quote in there from a General Shinseki from the U.S. Army, now retired, I think. And his quote was, if you don't like change, you're going to like irrelevance even less.
0: I love that quote. Now, how do you actually apply it to your life, Mitch?
1: I wake up and I I think of it and I I go into a state of cold sweat.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's good stuff. And I always do love quotes from generals. Being an army officer for eight years myself, actually about the exact same time that you started with your company back in 2002, I was commissioned as an officer in the US Army. So Shinseki was always an idol of mine. and So I love the fact that he was quoted here. But let's continue on with that cold sweat. And then what do you do to combat it?
1: Uh, I have panic attacks, and then <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, it's funny. There's sort of two sides to it. You know, one side is that I I love waking up and thinking about how I'm going to challenge myself, and then obviously turn challenge my three other business partners and the team that we work with, and the clients that we serve to best think about what the present truly is and what the future can be. And when I say that, I recognize full well that anyone who is an entrepreneur listening to this knows that that's probably slightly BS because it's very, very hard to move the needle. The other side of it in terms of if you don't like change, uh, you're going to like irrelevance even less, is just simply about the choice I made in life. I made a choice a ways back, and it actually came as a catalyst from listening to another uh, great Coach who trains entrepreneurs. This guy Dan Sullivan. He's got a yes. program called the Strategic Coach, and and uh, but I'd never taken the coach program, and I still haven't. I, I still say I will every year, and I never do it. But a buddy <laughs> of mine had done amazing work there, and uh, you know claims that the majority of his success, is his success, and this guy's been majorly successful, is because of the work he did with Dan at the Strategic Coach, and um, he had passed me a double CD at the time. They had CDs. Once upon a time, called How wow. the Best Get Better. And it was really all about a whole bunch of thinking about how entrepreneurs even got better in their entrepreneurship. And it was just one of those things where it was, again, nothing truly unique, but maybe it was the way it was phrased or the way it was put forward that, you know, this idea that if when you become an entrepreneur, what you're essentially doing is saying to yourself – I will be wholly responsible for my success. I will be wholly responsible for the financial outcome, how I ascent in the industry, how I connect with my family and my community. You can't lay blame to my boss won't let me. Corporate policy doesn't allow me to do this or I'm just trying to get by and doing this. And I was much younger then, there's no doubt about it, but it was, if I can look back at it, I could say that it was probably the most... um, freeing thing I've ever done in my in my in my life. I jokingly call it the emancipation from from reality. You know, you sort of realize that, wow, Seth Godin and his aphorism, the riskiest thing you can do is be safe and the safest thing you can do is be risky is absolutely true that if you really wanna see what success looks like, you have to take full responsibility for your own success. So when I think about the quote in terms of that personal thing, it gets me very motivated because I know that um, I'm, I'm, I am that person. When I think about it in the context of truly trying to grow the business, it's challenging, it's not perfect.
0: I love that, Mitch, and it really is a perfect segue to our next topic because Entrepreneur on Fire is all about our spotlighted guest. And you're our spotlighted guest today, Mitch, and we want to talk about your journey. And every entrepreneur's journey has failure riddled throughout that journey. So take us back to a time when you failed, when you were in despair, or just face this massive challenge or obstacle that you had to dig deep to overcome. And how did you overcome that?
1: That's a great question. I don't know that I ever had that type of despair. And I'll, I'll, I'll I'll explain why. I have always been the person tying back into this Dan Sullivan thinking. Another component of that audio CD program was this idea of unique ability, the ability to uh, really figure out what you're great at and then align yourself with people whose unique ability are, are the stuff you're not great at. And partner with them, and so I've always been the person that was more than willing to give up a quarter of the business if I was bringing in somebody who was really doing the stuff I was clearly was you know out of the realm of my unique ability. So I think that there's always been challenges and struggles, and I think they've been some of them have been big and some of them have been smaller. But because of that thinking, and I'm not trying to sort of you know you know avoid the questions, I haven't really had that sort of big oh my God, what are we going to do moment? I just haven't had it because I've always worked or surrounded myself or opened up the avenue to be in a place where that struggle could be overcome by someone who, for them, the struggle wasn't that big with you. So share
0: with us a time in your journey when you did face a major challenge or obstacle and you really had to dig deep to overcome that.
1: Well, that's easier. Um, I I worked probably, so I had a lot of success working for one of the first search engines in the web which really gave me a big platform Alta for Vista? digital No, it was actually called Mama.com, it was the first meta search engine so it was actually grabbing search results from places like Lycos, Alta Vista, AOL and Yahoo at the time, there was no Google, and aggregating them into a better search, so this is again before Google and it was a very, very exciting and dynamic time and from there uh, went through the whole boom, bust and echo of, of the web right. and decided to try something new. And I joined the company, a close friend of mine had started, that was about mobile content. And that seems like such a sort of obvious thing today. But if you go back 15 years, there wasn't even a mobile web browser at the time. So it was very, very different. And, you know, these people really had a vision for what the mobile web could be. And I worked for him for about a year and then he fired me. And it was uh, the first time I had really ever been fired. I mean, you know, sat down in office and told, you know, this is your last day type of thing. And you know, subsequently, he's becoming even better friends, one of my close, close friends. But it was really, the you know, going home and thinking about facing your family and friends when I really, you know, I didn't love, to, in retrospect, I, I wasn't doing great at the job. I didn't love it really, even if I it was sort of somewhat a little bit bored there. Um, but again, I, that, that's probably part of the reason why I was let go. Um, it was really hard to sort of the next day realize like, wow, I have nothing. I don't have a job opportunity. I don't have – I had nothing. <laughs> I was sitting in my apartment at the time going, what now? And um, I don't think I did what everyone else did. I think everybody else would have, like, updated their resume and gone to, like, the local employment office and asked for tips on how to improve the resume. And I just said, you know what? I have to learn more. And I took what I learned from him. And he was actually the person who really got me interested in reading business books. I'd never really read business books before. And now I probably read one or two a week. And um, – It was just really powerful that I sort of started self-educating. Like I went down that road instead of the whole, like, let me find a job. And I really do think that it was, in retrospect, probably the best thing that happened to me because it also made me realize that I have to try and be more in control of the things I can control.
0: Mm. Those are great insights. If you could just pull out one clear lesson from that entire experience, what would it be?
1: That sometimes being told you're done is the best place to be for you to get started.
0: I love that. So many entrepreneurs on Entrepreneur on Fire talk about when their back was against the wall. That's when they finally were able to make that entrepreneurial leap to really get out of their comfort zone because they were forced there. So great lessons and solid transition, Mitch, to our next topic, which is that aha moment. Because just like entrepreneurs fail and face challenges and obstacles, we also have these light bulb moments on different levels where they're inspiring us, pivoting us in different directions. So share with us a time when you really just had a light bulb come on at some point in your journey and how do you turn that moment into success?
1: So prior to, to this digital marketing agency twist image that I run and prior to all the sort of adventures we've already talked about, I've had, and I have actually a whole chapter in the new book about squiggle and how your career should be really squiggly. Those are the most interesting careers. Oh. <laughs> and um, I remember being... Uh, You know, I was sort of like I started off very early as a professional writer, actually in the music industry. My first job was interviewing Tommy Lee for Motley Crue. Believe it or not, Mm. it's a very crazy life I have. And um, you know, I would love magazines. I would go to magazine stores. I would pick up magazines. I'd read them cover to cover. I'd be fascinated with not just the rock stars on the covers, but who had these amazing opportunities to meet and have conversations with them. And at that point. I, I was also at the same time in sort of like this interesting parallel, very ingrained in computers. And I remember getting the first, you know, modem and having uh, BBS bulletin boards. And for me, the moment was really when I saw the first web browser, Mosaic. When I when I clicked on that and had access to the world, and for me the bigger one was seeing it was a site called uh, All Star Music, and it was just a little basic. Imagine a web page. There weren't even hyperlinks at the time. And on the page was three news items, and they would update them daily. Three new pieces from the music industry. And you got to remember, you, you take a step back. If I wanted to find out like what the discography was of Metallica, I'd have to call the record company. They would have to go look it up. They would fax me uh, a biography, or I'd have to go pick it up if if we have a fax machine. I mean. There there was no way to access this information. And from going to the corner store and waiting every three weeks for a new magazine or for the fourth week for the magazine to come out, to suddenly turning on this thing and having immediate news, and to me that was live and in real time even though it was 24-hour delayed. It just, in my brain, changed everything. I realized the way we communicated, connected, uh, built brands, had media, was going to fundamentally change. So for me, that was really the, the thing that pushed me off the ledge to realize that there's this amazing world of combining this idea of brands, media, digital. And, and it was clearly that moment.
0: Wow. Well, I can see that light bulb that just went off. And what were your actions following that? Like, What were some of the first things that you did when you said, wow, I get this. This is going to change the world?
1: Well, it's interesting. At the time, you know, you have to think about an internet, and most people can't even remember it, where there were no hyperlinks. It was just web pages, independent web pages. And I, I at the time, I was publishing. A, we were self-publishing a, a magazine, myself and a business partner. And we had a, a one, you know, every, it was two magazines, and, and it was bimonthly. So every month we'd alternate between magazines. And I remember walking over to his home apartment office and saying, "We should put our magazine on the internet." And we actually put the quote, I'm using air quotes here, this magazine on the internet, but it was just basically a web page with a logo in the top right, left hand side, and then just just text. And for me, it was it was that. And it's funny, if you if you dig deep into Google or Yahoo, you'll see a lot of people say that perhaps I might have had one of the first magazines ever online because I was just copying and pasting content on there thinking somebody might find it.
0: <laughs> have you ever gone to the waybackmachine.com?
1: I, you know i i used to you know when i when i have more time i used to do things like that <laughs> i find it increasingly harder to do things like google myself and wayback machines and stuff like that
0: is that site still available that'd be hilarious
1: you know what um it's funny a freelance writer who's writing for us at the time, we actually did an article in like 92 called The Net. That was the cover story of this magazine. Right. And he talked about the latest innovation being hyperlinks that you can now click on a link and go to another page. And um, if you look at his biography, he's one of the guys who sort of says, like, I think this is the first magazine I ever saw on the internet. <laughs> so, so I know that there is information out there or something.
0: I love it. So Mitch, have you had an I've made a moment?
1: No. No, you know what? That's not um, no. That's not true. So there are definitely so there are some personal ones that I that I that I won't share because you know one of them had to do with just a sort of a financial number in my brain. Yes, and I always sort of knew if I had that number. That would sort of be an indication to me, like, yeah, you did good. Now the truth is, I wanted to hit that number when I was nineteen. So, uh, <laughs> so, so, this, so, so that's sort of a, a no. And then you also quickly realize when you get close that it actually has nothing to do with the monetary number. Right. So it's not really an important one. But the one that 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 for sure in terms of just personal pride is, you know, I love everything we do here and it's an amazing thing, but it's a personal thing, which is as a writer, you sort of always wanna write a book. It's it's like, I always say it's like Moby Dick and all you've got is the whale and you got a fork and tartar sauce and you're trying (laughs) to go after that whale. And I remember, you know, being in New York city in Manhattan after meeting my literary agent, who wasn't my literary agent for the f- at the time for the first time, talking about what I thought this book could be, and he said, "You know, let me spend a couple hours with me. Said, let me think about it, and like I'll, I'll get back to you." And I thought, I don't know if he's going to want to rep- represent me and whatever. And I had a couple hours between my flight, and I was just sort of walking down in in sort of Manhattan, 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 and I'm sort of looking up, and it's just this, you know, that city is such an amazingly energetic yes. city, and I. I check my email. And there was an email from him saying, it was great meeting you today. Attached is our contract. I would love to represent you. And I just remember sort of looking up at that Manhattan skyline and thinking, you know, I'm a first time author with not that big of a platform about to be represented by one of the biggest and best literary agents in, in nonfiction that I could ever have imagined. And I'm standing here in Manhattan of all places, which would be the sort of central point of that. And it was a that, that sort of great moment. And then as, as any typical entrepreneur has, you sort of uh, want to cry and wish you die at the same moment because you have to do all this work and realize you probably aren't that good at it. And all those, all those fears come rushing back.
0: And then the Seth Godin imposter syndrome creeps in and it's impossible to avoid.
1: Oh, I'm a miserable person. Yeah,
0: <laughs> Mitch, that's a great I've made a moment. And that's one thing I love talking about at Entrepreneur on Fire Is that enjoying of the achievements and accomplishments that we're making along the way? Because as entrepreneurs, we're so good at setting goals and then reaching those goals and then just putting that bar even higher and putting our heads down and driving towards it again. But the importance of taking a step back, smelling the roses, so to speak, and really appreciating the journey as a whole is of utmost importance because it's all about the journey. So Mitch, are you enjoying your journey?
1: Yeah, it's, uh, you know, there's, again, uh, you know, it's, uh, there. there's always two sides to it. You know, there is the person who is worried about the imposter syndrome and the other shoe dropping and the stress and anxiety of just my own life and, and supporting those of 100 plus people in the families that they have and well beyond that for sure that cause, you know, that are certainly things I don't think I ever put into the equation of what it would mean to be an entrepreneur and to to run my own business. You sort of just always think it's about you. (laughs) And then you realize quickly it's about, you know, thousands of people actually, which (laughs) is pretty intimidating for sure. Um, So, there's that side. The other side of it, and again, it's it's a topic that I really talk about in the new book, but I call it blend. Um, And the reason I call it blend is because I, I was always struggling with work-life balance because I thought, oh, I'm, I'm, I must be a workaholic. I must really be a bad workaholic because I come home and I just love, I love, I love checking emails. I love reading. I love blogging. I love, I love all those things. Like, I really enjoy it. I enjoy it more than watching TV and, and going to a bar and stuff like that. And maybe I'm a freak. I don't know. And I remember speaking to Seth Godin, who I've had the pleasure of knowing for for a long time now. And and Seth recounted a story to me that I think he's recounted publicly where he was somewhere, I think he was like in Maui or Hawaii and he had a speaking event and it was late at night and he just didn't feel like being in his room. So he was sitting in the lobby doing, doing his thing on his, his computer, typing up a blog post or whatever. And a sort of couple stumbled in and they were either just married or on vacation. They sort of like looked over at him and went, you know, like the guy's sitting in beautiful Hawaii and he's on his laptop. And Seth says, you know, and I remember that moment thinking like, you know, you work your whole year for a couple days of happiness. And I'm totally loving my life. Like, I don't have to go somewhere to be on vacation. This is sort of is, life is that vacation for me. And it was a sort of that moment where you realize, like, it's true, like, I'm really lucky. And I tied that into a story where I had met the CFO from Google, Patrick Pichette, and one of his old cohorts from Bell had said to him, so, like, uh, do you have a good work-life balance? And Patrick looked at him and said, you don't take this job for work-life balance. (laughs) <laughs> and I thought, wow, that's pretty amazing. <laughs> what, he, what he talked about was 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 flow and and blend. Right. And I, I had asked him about it later, and he was saying that you know, so if he's got a working trip in London, he'll bring his wife and family along, and so. You know, the last two days, they'll do stuff together that's there. So it's not like you're trying to get like this weird balance, but you're just sort of blending it together so that you have a good, healthy flow of how things go. Because work-life balance, like like that assumes that work should be outside of life. And I just, it always, it never resonated with me. So in that sense, you know, I think I have a great blend. I really do my best to think about, uh, I look at it as as like a stool and the stool has three legs and the three legs are your work, your family and your community. And so long as you have an even balance on those three stool legs, life will be great. But you know what a stool is. If you have one of those legs that's a bit shorter or longer, it's going to topple over.
0: I totally agree with the work and the family. Explain to me what that community leg would stand for.
1: Being involved in your community, it could be financial contributions, it could be sitting on boards, it could be physically affecting change in your community. Um, One of the things I realized when we really got it started here in Twist Image, and again, we had no money, we were basically three or four people working out of a cupboard, um, (laughs) is that… If we're not adding value, to, like you can't have a strong business unless you have a strong community to support it. And so unless you're being proactive and effective within that community, that could be your industry, it could be your local community, could be your national community, it could be the international community, um, you can't expect your business to be successful.
0: Mm, love that. Thank you for expounding so, Mitch, let's move into the next topic now, which is your present business. It's today. Share with us one thing that is just really exciting you right now.
1: Oh, God. I mean, you know, I'm in a business where it, it's never not exciting. I mean, what we do is help brands connect to their consumers using these digital channels. So, that's yes. everything from web and mobile and social and, and local and technology. So, you know, if if anything, I, I sort of can't step back and go, there was this period where things were really slow. I mean, it is it, every day you wake up and go, I did not know that or I don't know this. In fact, I find more often than not, the amazing thing is, is that I'd co- I'll come into the, into the office and look at something that happened on LinkedIn or Facebook and I'll say to myself, wow, like I have no idea. <laughs> <And> that, <laughs> whereas before I knew every little intricacy of it. Now I'm right. like, I'm almost somewhat lost in it. And so that, and that could concern people, but it it really doesn't concern me. It actually really keeps me energized to to be constantly learning.
0: So if you could just nail it down to one thing that's really exciting you, what would that be?
1: I think it's the fact that you have mobile devices, smartphones, and tablets as ubiquitous as they are, meaning a complete drop off of PCs. We literally are in the post PC era right now. And yet so few brands, you know, brands are still so worried about their website and e-commerce and social media, that they're not even really grasping how we engage in them in terms of what devices we're using has so fundamentally changed. So for me, that's probably the, the coolest, most interesting slash most nascent opportunities that there are.
0: Love that. So Mitch, what's your vision for the future?
1: When I think about it in terms of business, what I'm most fascinated in is the fact that consumers have become so advanced. If I go back five or 10 years, you know, brands really were still in control, even if it was web or social, they still really did sort of dictate how things were going. Consumers have adopted technology at such an amazingly exponentially massive pace that it really is challenging for brands to understand just how connected they are to one another and to brands and to just technology so for me it's that
0: i can totally see that and babies are now literally being born with ipads in their hands i mean my two-year-old niece is literally showing me things on the iPad that I had no idea. She can't even talk yet, but she's whipping around knowing where her folder is, what game she wants to play, how to get back to the main screen. It's just incredible to see this march towards complete integration of technology.
1: The best line I ever heard from that is Don Tapscott, who wrote *Wikinomics* and, and a ton of other amazing books. He's probably one of the, the biggest thought leaders in terms of technology and media. And he says that you know kids are bathed in bits. <laughs> That's, just the best. That's just the best line ever to do it. It's funny. I have two two young kids, and and my youngest, who at the time was probably six or seven months, we had we were on a plane for vacation, and they had the in seat screens. And without even having ever touched an iPad or iPhone, the intuitive motion that she had on the screen was to have the whole five fingers open and squish them together as if she wanted to close it. And she'd never touched any device, just she'd seen her her sibling do it. And so she sort of knew what that move was. And to me, it was like, whoa, that's pretty intense.
0: (laughs) Unbelievable, and I love the story where they take the iPad to this remote village in Africa where these people have never seen any form of electronics before. And the six-year-olds, within a couple hours, are just zipping all around just with that completely intuitive feel and touch.
1: Well, that's nothing. Part of my guilty pleasures is I go to the TED conference every year. And this past year, uh, the TED prize was awarded to a person whose name I'm forgetting, but they're uh, in education. And what they actually do is they do these computers in the wall things where they literally just put a computer in a wall in very rural areas in, in India and places like that in different languages, like in English. And they're like, solve this problem. And it's amazing to see the group think of young people who literally will learn how to program code and figure out complex formulas and physics and stuff just by having internet access and going for it. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty mind-blowing. So if you think the iPad stuff is cool, you should watch that TED Talk.
0: Oh, absolutely. We will link that up in the show notes. That sounds phenomenal. All right, Fire Nation. Time for a quick shout out to our sponsors, GoToMeeting and Squarespace. When your entire team can get together, it's amazing what gets accomplished. Projects that take weeks, decisions that take days are done right then and there. But gathering everyone together from different locations can be time consuming, expensive and plain impossible. That's why we use GoToMeeting with HD faces. It makes it easy for your entire team to get together online whenever you need to, no matter where people are. With GoToMeeting by Citrix, you can share the same screen so you can stay on the same page. And the built-in HD video conferencing makes your online meetings just like being in the same room. Just turn on your webcam. Plus, it's simple to launch or join a meeting from anywhere using your computer, smartphone, or tablet. Even present on your iPad. Fire Nation, try GoToMeeting free for 30 days. Don't wait for this special offer. Visit gotomeeting.com, click the try a free button and use a promo code fire. Remember the promo code fire. Let's chat Squarespace now because it offers an all in one platform that allows you to use drag and drop technology to create a beautifully designed website just like that. You can use this drag and drop feature to add content to your site from your desktop or to rearrange content within a page, making it easier than ever to create your own site just the way you want it. Squarespace also allows you to connect on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Pinterest, Instagram, Google, and many other web and social services to your site. And with responsive design, you don't have to worry about people not being able to view your site on their mobile devices. It's automatic, baby. With 24-7 customer support, you can count on Squarespace for live chat during the week and fast email responses throughout the day and night. For a free trial and 10% off, go to squarespace.com and use the offer code FIRE. Squarespace, everything you need to create an exceptional website. So Mitch, we've now reached my favorite part of the show. We're about to enter the lightning rounds, And this is where I provide a series of questions and you come back at us Fire Nation with amazing and mind-blowing answers. Sound like a plan?
1: Oh boy, <laughs> let's try. What's slower than lightning?
0: <laughs> okay, thunder roll round. What was holding you back from becoming an entrepreneur?
1: The the safety and security of thinking it's better for someone else to pay me than to take the risk.
0: What is the best business advice you've ever received? Keep going. What is something that's working for you right now?
1: Keeping going.
0: Do <laughs> <laughs> you have an internet resource, Mitch, like an Evernote, that you're just in love with, that you can share with our listeners?
1: It's pathetically funny. Um, I use something called LiveWriter, which is like this blog writing software that I absolutely love, and it's produced by Microsoft, and I'm a Mac guy. So I literally have a VMware just to link to the software that is old and never updated, but I can't leave it.
0: <laughs> well, Fire Nation, you know that you can find the links to this resource and everything else that we've mentioned today by going to entrepreneuronfire.com slash Mitch Joel. So, Mitch, if you could recommend one book to our listeners, what would it be?
1: Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna recommend two. I'm gonna cheat. Okay. Uh, if you sort of want something new and fresh, I think Makers by Chris Anderson was one of the most uh, telling books that's come out recently. But when I sort of think about it, like in a longer scale, I'm still I still often every day think about a book called Quiet by Susan Cain, which is also all about the power of introverts.
0: Powerful. Two books, one word each. Love it. And Fire Nation. You know you can get the audio version of these books for free by going to eofirebook.com. It's a gift from Audible for Entrepreneur on Fire listeners. So Mitch, my next question is my favorite, but it's tricky. So take your time, digest it, then come back at us with an answer. Imagine you woke up tomorrow morning in a brand new world, identical to earth, but you knew no one. You still have all the experience and knowledge you currently have, your food and shelter is taken care of, but all you have is a laptop and $500. What would you do in the next seven days?
1: Oh, man, I would create a chamber of commerce. Wow. Commerce is 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 a word that we could probably use in different ways. So maybe it wouldn't be commerce in terms of money, but a place where like-minded people can get together, connect, and find solace in the work that they're trying to do and how they're trying to build the community. So to me, again, going back to that, one of the most powerful things that helped me in my life was connecting to other people who were trying to connect. And so I just think that if you can help make those connections and you can be useful and valuable to others, that there's that power of reciprocity that is undeniable.
0: Love that. Mitch, that was some actionable advice, and you have given us actionable advice this entire interview, and we are all better for it. Give Fire Nation one parting piece of guidance, share how we can find you, and then we'll say goodbye.
1: Guidance, you know, you know. when I say keep going, I think it's a big thing. In, in my world, people always say, you know, you pitch stuff. So how many did you win? How many did you lose? And what I've really learned over time, and a lot of this comes from my fourth business partner and our CEO here, who's done this f- way longer than I have. It, it's not about whether you win or lose, actually. It's about resilience and the ability to keep going. And so... I, I think that there's a power in lo- longevity and resilience that people often forget and don't think about. They worry too much about the balance sheet today versus how long they've been doing it and their capabilities to grow it in the future. So that would be my little sort of takeaway. You can always connect to me at www.twistimage.com forward slash blog. If you're not sure, you can just Google Yahoo Bing Mitch Joel.
0: Mitch, thank you for being so generous with your time, your expertise, your experience. Fire Nation salutes you, and we'll catch you on the flip side.
1: John, thanks for your service and everything you do.
0: Fire Nation, what great idea do you have brewing inside you? Enough brewing. Take powerful action today. Go grab your domain and get your website up. I've created a simple seven-minute tutorial that will walk you through acquiring your domain for free all the way to your first post. Go to eofirewebsite.com to access this great tutorial, your free domain, and much more. That's eofirewebsite.com.
1: Thank you for joining us at entrepreneuronfire.com, your daily dose of inspiration. Prepare to ignite.